A Hero's Journey is a podcast filled with spoilers. We recommend reading the book each week before you listen, but we trust you to make your own decision. to Her Hero's Journey, a literary podcast. I'm your host and judge, Jack, and I'm here with my redonkulous writers. This is Alex. And I'm Zach. Each week, we look at a different book through Joseph Campbell's monomyth. This week, we're diving back into the world of Allegasia with Inheritance by Christopher Pellini. It's the fourth book in the trilogy that starts with the Aragon book. In this book, once again, we follow Aragon, who is in the midst of a civil war against uh, and an uprising rebellion against uh, Gabotorix and the uh, emperor king of the of Allegasia. Now we've seen sort of this battle being taking place, everything up to this point in all three books, but this is the first time that's really coming to a head with the emperor himself. Um, they, they decide that no longer are they going to kind of be the rebellion in the shadows. They're going to take the fight to the empire itself. Um, they, reach uh, quite a few stumbling blocks not including uh Sephira getting stabbed the them getting uh, attempting an infiltration but getting kidnapped uh, by cultists uh, <laughs> he finds out that there's some sort of secret magic um, information hidden uh, within the minds of other people that only he is really able to access he journeys to a faraway place uh, to discover there's a lost legacy of the dragon riders uh, and then finally returns uh, having gained some knowledge and information from that journey uh, to the culmination battle where they are attacking the capital, um, is fought with quite a bit of resistance from the emperor himself, who he learns has a recent power spike, um, but eventually is able to defeat the emperor and uh, and, and bring his capital-based stronghold uh, crashing down and freeing the people of Allegasia. Starting all final books in a trilogy for the fourth time, we come to our departure. This week, the journey that we find ourselves on is to defeat the evil empire and to free its people. Uh, our call to adventure is... We're free! <laughs> We're like under new management. <laughs> the call to adventure here is taking the fight to the emperor, like I mentioned in the beginning of the, uh, of the outline. They've decided they're no longer going to be in the shadows, and it kind of sets the stage for this now sort of conquering expansion that they undergo in the beginning that eventually leads them to the capital and the overthrowing of the empire. So I think it's a it's a pretty good cold adventure. It's hard sometimes, especially in later books, to set out um, on your journey again, but for people who'd been in hiding for so long, I think this is a good transition. Uh, then for the refusal of the call, uh, Safira gets injured. And he's got, you know, some self-doubt on whether or not he's a good owner. He should have protected her or owner, partner, what writer, I guess. Owner, oh, she is his property. Writer, I guess is what I should say. And uh, when she gets injured and he actually has to go on a mission later without her that involves going underground. And so this sort of separation from him and Safira is something that is pulling him away from his uh, kind of writer nature. So I think it's a decent refusal. For the meaning of the mentor, I've chosen Solenbaum, uh, who is a you know real good name. Uh, he's the one who frees him from his capture by the cultists and his failed sort of infiltration. 
um, and tells him, although unwittingly, about the Vault of Souls that he's going to journey to later. Um, so I think he does a good job of providing immediate rescue and then valuable information. For the crossing of the threshold, uh, there's the becoming the leader of the Varden. It's a job that he doesn't want to accept, but realizes uh, in the events as they are that he's pretty much the best choice. And so he's got no choice but to accept it. And so I think that's a big separation from kind of boyhood hero who's been slowly gaining power on his own and being used kind of as a secret weapon to, okay, now you're in charge. What decisions do you want to make? There comes a point in which the uh, realization kind of hits Aragon that what they're doing while impactful and is making great strides isn't going to be enough to take on the emperor himself who's kind of started to fortify himself in his capital. And so he comes up with this plan to seek out uh, his own sort of power boost, his own level up. Um, but he realizes it's something he's going to have to do to abandon uh, the Varden that he just claimed leadership of. Uh, so not only did he take all this responsibility, now he's got that responsibility, but it leads him to the understanding that he has to abandon the direct uh, consequences of it to go somewhere else. And so he does set up a plan with the magic users to, uh, you know, show him around to sort of sow confusion amongst the enemy. But, uh, but it's, it's certainly a sort of, okay, we're progressing the story along. We had to make him uh, the leader for, the, for all the reasons that we stated previously. But now if he's actually going to have a chance of facing the bad guy who we've hyped up so much, he's got to leave town and go find something to help him. All right. So just starting off with the quest, I think there could not be another quest here. This has been built up for four bucks now that Aragon needs to defeat the emperor um, and free the people. So good. Uh, and then our call to adventure I guess um, I don't really have a problem with this. It's just I, I don't think there's a single instance in this book where that really happens because the Varden had already started to attack. Uh, even at the end of Eldest, they had started to attack the Emperor directly uh, and declare themselves um, in rebellion. So there's not really a singular point in here that I can see if it's a call to adventure. Um, Jack, what do you think about this? Can we can we say that this is a call to adventure for the book, even though it doesn't really uh, happen uh, in this book? I believe Aragon does officially declare Galbatorx a smelly pants on the world stage, thus leading to the Great War for Allegasia. Uh, they sort of did never file the proper documentation for a declaration of war, thus making this an unjustified act of aggression. Hmm. Okay, so no, that's what I no. heard. I heard a no. I, I, I heard, I, I heard a, a emphemat, uh, an emphatic yes. Uh, Zach, I have to agree with Alex that unfortunately there is no inciting incident in this book. We open midway through an invasion. This quest began, strictly speaking, the end of the last book with the launch of the attack, but potentially, you know, the, the quest is so broadly defined here that this is also the quest he's been on the whole goddamn time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, for refusal of the call, I don't really agree with this either. Uh, Aragon being unsure if he could go on without Sephira. Um, I think that's like a, a reasonable fear as it can drive dragon riders mad when they lose their dragons. 
Yeah, but if she just surrenders her Eldenari, then he can walk around with her in a backpack and murder people. He can become this world's Batman. Well, it's not just that. It's I mean, there's I don't think it's as much about his own sort of worrying about himself. He he's you know, she is an important individual to him beyond that. You know what I mean? It's it's like Yeah. Yeah, that's why I like I'm saying it's a reasonable fear if he loses someone who he literally shares minds and mind with, like that would be pretty uh, traumatizing. And I, I'm not sure he could go on either. So you're saying it's a good one. I'm saying it's a reasonable fear to have, but it doesn't stop him from doing the things he needs to do. Like well, they're not. It's not supposed to stop him. It's. It's, it's, I think, have we gotten many refusals where they straight up like didn't do the thing? I guess like, oh, normally, you, normally an outside force drags them back in in those cases. Yeah, I guess it's like not even really a temptation to, to stop what he's doing, right? Because if he doesn't continue where there is the chance of him losing Sephira then he ends up in a situation where he definitely will lose Safira or lose his will and her will by Gavatorix remaining emperor and eventually deciding to come take them to uh, Urubin or whatever his city is called and take control of their minds, make them swear oaths to him. So, uh, I, I think we've accepted enough moments of reflection where the character has contemplated quitting, but I, I don't think Aragon ever gets as far as saying I'd rather lo- keep severe and lose everyone else, which I think is what would be needed to, right, he doesn't even speculate on that. Okay. For the mentor, I really like Sol- Solombum as the mentor. Um, I, I think that the weir cats are really cool uh, and them coming in and especially Solobom who we, we have seen before coming in giving Aragon this information that he needs to get more power is um, pretty great. Um, my only complaint about this point is that the I mean, Solobom and the weir cats do show up and they offer other pieces but the main thing that we give uh, get from Solombum is obviously the the prophecy riddle about the vault of souls the rock of Cuthane. um and that's actually it's it, it's Solombum speaking on behalf of somebody else it, it, it definitely still gets there i just feel like we need that needs to be acknowledged in part of it. i just, not even needs to be acknowledged i just find it funny yeah, I personally don't have a problem with it because it's still Solombum doing it, even though he can't remember that he said these things. I, did, I told you what? Huh, doesn't sound like me. Must be that mysterious impulse we all felt that one day. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Zach, for the crossing the threshold here, does this really change Aragon's position? Was he not really the leader of the Varden before? In Boo, I mean, he was Boo, not. Alex. He, he, 
I don't know what you're trying to go with there, but boo. <laughs> right. Does he come into any more danger when he becomes the leader of the Varden than when he was not the leader of the Varden? Yes, he has to be in charge of all of these people. He's not just well, a weapon. He's well, a leader. He, he immediately leaves after being told that he's No one said he was a good at his new job. <sighs> if this was a trial, he definitely fails at it. But it is a thing that happens and changes his life very briefly. Sure, whatever. Okay, then, then I can't give the belly of the whale at all. The realization they need something else to defeat the emperor that was obvious like everybody knew that everybody was waiting for aragon to come up with the thing the thing that he's well yeah he found the thing well he he found the thing isn't that okay now you got to go do the thing but he doesn't know what it like in this moment where you're talking about that he that he needs something and he leaves the farden i mean he's straight up there's like how to put this there's like a magic puzzle that's ingrained in other people that they can't talk about the thing, well, without realizing it, and he has to do the thing. That's like a big old spoopy mystery puzzle. Also, I will say for Zach's favor on uh, Belly of the Whale that we talk about how everyone knows that Aragon needs more power but up until now there wasn't a plan to get him more power it was just like man i really hope that something comes me and these me and these elves will figure something out i don't know maybe we can use that traumatized orphan against him yeah that's what i'm saying like he he knows he needs something orphan i I think she was i didn't think she was an orphan she's an orphan yeah the the one who he blessed Yeah. yeah Oh, I, thought, I thought her parents brought him to her to be blessed. No, what was just caring for? It was just some old woman. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but it's it's the realization that there is. I guess I agree with Zach that it not the realization that they need something more to defeat the emperor, but the realization that there is something they can go after that will give them a chance. And once again, they're wrong. <laughs> it doesn't give them a chance. They get lucky. Well, that I mean, isn't, if, that anything, the... if anything was going to give him a chance, it's the combined souls of the ancient dragons. Uh, well, the... I would argue that actually what, what, what gets them there... Um, what is the friendships they made along the way? Well, they Aragon just basically accidentally does what Elfo would do anyway, which is... Elfo? From Disenchanted? Elva. <laughs> right, the point is that she can cause people pain and often whispers to them things they don't want to hear and that's why Galatorx is like nah no talking for you mm-hmm. and then Aragon basically does the equivalent of fucking talking at him at least he doesn't talk no jutsu him but still little Naruto reference out there for Patrick if you ever watches this episode <laughs> um I don't think it's a great belly of the world but I do I do think you're brushing it aside with a little less consideration than it deserves Alex well, I mean, look, him As realizing that he needs something to defeat the most evil emperor that was ever evil emperor and the most powerful. Uh, have there been other evil emperors ever. in this world? We don't we don't really get much history predating. No, we don't. So I guess by definition, he is both the goodest evil emperor and the evilest emperor. 
Why do they have a concept of empire thing? If there's really it's only the one. First. Well, I guess we don't really know if the humans had separate kingdoms pre this. Yeah, but I mean, they have separate king. They definitely had separate city-state like kingdoms that Galbatorix united into one. But why empire? Wouldn't they just be one big kingdom? But then they couldn't use the word emperor like Star Wars. Fair, fair. Uh, Zach, your point is being rejected, but I wanted. Uh, I, I demand that Alex feel bad about it. I don't. I'm As sorry. is, of course, tradition. <laughs> and is a good day for Canada, and therefore the rest of the world. That's going to close out on a surprisingly anemic uh, departure with just that mentor and crossing of the threshold going, which I'm not going to lie, are not the points I would expect to hit in the fourth book of a trilogy. Yeah, I do think that this being the fourth book of a planned three-book series probably takes away some of the initial points um, that we would typically see in our call to adventure, refusal of the call, even the belly of the whale, because it, this is like half of the last book. Yeah, I not what How I was dare you for. talk over my part of the podcast. <laughs> Failing spectacularly at our attempt to sneak into the totally not evil city of Hellgrind. Seriously, who wants to live in a place called Hellgrind? We come to our initiation. So for our road of trials, we have several points along this journey that uh, Aragon had to do something that was uh, not necessarily his normal, and therefore things I've included here in our road of trials. First, we have the invasion of Hellgrind, where he is going up against the Razak, uh, and uh, it's a, you know, an important strategic decision for the Varden, uh, but he also has his own kind of personal torments with them, as we saw uh, in, in book one and throughout, throughout the story uh, so far. And, and then for the uh, second, we have the journey to the Isle. Um, I don't remember what the exact name of the Isle was, but where the Vault of Souls was kept. Um, I think it's that sort of decision to leave behind what he thinks is probably the logical thing to do to follow a thread of some ancient magics um, that he's uncertain of where it will lead him and it ultimately leads him in uh, in the right area uh, and it and it's actually like a cool kind of adventure for them and a, and a cool breaking of the of the constant tension that we get as readers so I think it's a it's a good uh, trial at this point as well and then finally we have the battle with Murtok um, in which he has to face down his uh, his ally enemy combo best bud bro, uh, and uh, it's something that he has to do. Uh, it's pretty much been set up now for three books, and the last time he got whooped. So it, I think it's a good trial. Doesn't he win a fight this book against him earlier? Yeah, but like we're talking, he's got whooped before. Kind of. Yeah. You said last time. It was like a suit. Uh, I guess I did say last time. I mean, he definitely then, distinctly lost at the end of Eldest. Yeah. For the me with the higher power, I've chosen Umaroth, uh, who gives him the power of the Eldenari. Uh, he's kind of the, the leader of the dragon souls as they sit within their heart stones or uh, whatever magic 
verbiage you want to use. Uh, but the souls of the dragons re reside within these heartstones inside the vault of souls. And uh, Umaroth is the one who, after much, uh, you know, uh, conversation with Aragon and learning about who he is, is the one who gives him the kind of wealth of knowledge and uh, ability that comes from the power of the Eldenari. So uh, definitely in Howard Power, some guy who's extra super old and uh, who... Um, uh, and who uh, is now uh, providing his aid and the aid of all the people that he is kind of controlling or has power over uh, to our hero. So good. For our Temptress, I have a hard time, Aragon, and, and, you know, it's been four books of, of um, kind of ever since book one being gung-ho about what he's doing. He has a lot of self-doubts. Um, I don't think that... Um, too many of them fall in the realm of uh, pushing him away from the goal of defeating the emperor. Uh, I have to believe that he has, you know, a certain amount of, Hey, maybe I don't have to go back to the Varden. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a more important calling of taking these dragon souls somewhere else. And, and maybe that's a better calling. Um, but unfortunately I don't think too much of it is, um, is given to us, the readers uh, simply because there's not enough space uh, to get every thought in Aragon's head. So our temptation is a supposed uh, uh, tempt into fleeing, perhaps with a nobler purpose. For our Tome the Creator, uh, I've chosen the coming to terms with his own true name. Um, that's something they need in order to access this Vault of Souls. And, uh, and as such, it's kind of a, a big self-realization moment, right? Because the true names are the foundation of this magical system, which is the, by comparison the foundation of like the universe and being being able to come to your own zen and realize who you are and, and how you fit into the world is a pretty good atonement i believe for the apotheosis uh we he's now left the island he sealed it up and he's gone back to with the meetup with the varden who were gonna siege the capital and comes in to fight galbatorix and oh big surprise galbatorix learned the true name uh, of the ancient language, which pretty much gives him all control over all the magics and makes him the biggest baddie that the world has ever seen. Um, it's a pretty big scare that even though you had all these plans on how you were going to defeat him, they've pretty much gotten thrown out the window. Um, but he does, he's able to kind of turn that against Galbatorix because even though he has all the power in the world, he's not uh, immune from his own guilt when properly uh, applied and he makes him feel the guilt for all the wrong things he's done, all the dragons and humans and, and misery uh, that he's slain and all the misery that he's caused. And this is ultimately his uh, undoing. And it's kind of a, it, I'm not really, I don't like killing things and people cause I'm uh, you know, kind of a new hippo hippie elf thing. I don't even kill the, as Alex mentioned earlier, the, the the brain worms that torture people but uh since he kills himself and brings down the whole castle it was a loophole i didn't do and it and then Arya straight i mean aragon kills a lot of people i know but, but like Arya straight ice is a dragon and it is way better than like 80 other percents of this book starting with the rich trials here i don't i don't like this i think I think we all know we don't like this. A peek behind the curtain when we got on to record this No episode, peeks behind the curtain! <laughs> when we got on to record the episode, Zach's like, hey, help me out. I 
don't know what to put for the road of trials. And we all just kind of like said things, things that kind of happened. Maybe Aragon did them. Maybe they were important to the plot, but maybe not. Who knows? The invasion of Helgrind, like, is that really helpful? It's an important strategic position on the a position on the path to the capital. Really? Does it ever matter again? Does anything that happens there? He loses the belt of Beltoff the Wise for no fucking reason. It doesn't it, like doesn't impact anything. Nasada could have been. Did we learn that leather that the Razak will come back one day, but they don't come back in this book. That information is not useful or helpful. Huh. Yeah. So. And I mean, I guess Aragon succeeds at this, like he takes down the city. Kind of, but he fails the invasion, gets captured, and they would lose, except for Angela pulls out some ninth graders' understanding of physics to win. Um, the only one of these that I like is the battle with Murtaugh. I agree about that one. The journey to the Isle, like Safira struggles with that. That's Safira's trial. And then. But aren't they one person? No, they're distinctly two separate people. Damn. Um, I would say like learning his true name could be a, a trial, but since it fits in with the atonement with the creator um, better for me, I don't think we can put it in both places. Um, I think that this book showcases a lot of trials uh i just don't know how many a are aragons and b the ones that aragon undergoes seem to be more about personal development and less about defeating the emperor yeah i can agree with that i can you can see that he grows i think a lot after he defeats gabatorix actually which we'll get into. This has a nice long return, a lot longer than any of the other books we've read for the podcast, I think. So like you can see that he's still growing and developing, but in the the trial to defeat the emperor, to defeat the empire, the quest to defeat the empire, he doesn't really grow a lot in my mind. Uh, for our higher power, Umaroth and all the other Elginari, they're definitely more powerful than him. Can't argue with that. Um, but do they help him on the quest? What what gift do they give that helps Aragon? Their power his... and knowledge. The two things that we almost always directly associate with gifts. And he uses the power and knowledge. Well, he doesn't to... need to use it. He just needs to have it. I mean, he does use it. I know they 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 massively affect the spell that ultimately wins in the ultimate boon. And Aragon says, "Couldn't have done it without you guys." Thanks, Bay. True, 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 true. All right, totally good. Um, our temptress. Again, I think I already talked about this in our refusal. We're not allowed to imply a temptress might exist somewhere in an unwritten <laughs> chapter. Yeah, and there can't really be a temptress because the the temptation for Aragon to not fight would eventually lead in to him and Safira being captured by Galvatorex and subjugated to their will, Maybe even actually really very enough. quickly. Uh, Atomo with the creator here, that's pretty great. Like, coming to terms with a foundational 
uh, part of the universe, or at least the universe as we know it, with the the language of magic and realizing his true name, coming to terms with himself through the magic. I love this. One of, probably one of the best Otomo the creators and most clear steps that we have for Aragon in this, except for, of course, you know, defeating Gabatorix. That's pretty, pretty obvious, pretty spelled out. Zach, do you do you like how Aragon finds his true name? Okay, that's irrelevant, and you know it. Well, no, I don't. I don't love it. I, I and and I think that if he could learn like the name of something lesser first, like the name of the wind or something. <sighs> <sighs> but th- but then he would never finish his question. <laughs> I personally don't have a big issue with how he finds the name. Um, I wish we we knew what it was. Yeah, but then we would have power over the book. I don't care. (laughs) We get a summary of what it probably meant. Kind of. He said it it, it, it wasn't perfect, but he was okay with it. Yeah, but I would like to know like what it was because Christopher Paulini, I'm sure you know what it is. You created this person. I don't know if Christopher Paulini knows what it is. Well, then he can't write it. Can't you can't do that? You should know what the name of your person is. He created this character. He should know everything about him enough to come up with the true name. Anyway, we can move on. It's not relevant. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good point. Um, our apotheosis here, I guess we have been allowing people to just uh, be told the apotheosis, haven't we? Yep. Yep. yep we yeah, have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, this, uh, this kills Welcome me. Welcome to our podcast about being consistent with your definitions. <laughs> This kills me. This is the first time that I think this has gone Zach's favor, but sure. <laughs> How's it feel to be sitting on the other side of the mic? <laughs> the Danish, the Danish <laughs> mind, Trebek. Um, good. I mean, realizing that there is a true name of the ancient language, and then Pete told it moments after realizing that Galbatorix knows it. I like it. Realizing the name of the ancient language, even though Murtaugh had to tell him. Uh, and then Ultimate Boon. Um, I don't hate this as much as I did the first time I read it. I I can appreciate some of the foreshadowing leading up to it. What foreshadowing? Um, Please give me an example. Everything with True Elva. Names. Is foreshadowing for this? Yeah. Um them understanding like she is powerful she can make people feel guilt um aragon constantly saying like i'm not powerful enough to defeat Capitorix. i need to think of a trick to do it um hey yeah mostly those two things i mean they, they get into the whole finding his you think that finding his true name is like ah cool he's gonna be ultra powerful now and then Oh, well, joke's on you. I have the true name of true names. Yeah. 
I will say what I um what I don't like about it is that it it really strips Galbatorix as a villain of any of right like his he doesn't have a justification anymore is that what you're trying to say yeah well kind of right if it means that Galbatorix was never on never really understood what he was doing unless because the other answer is you could just make somebody understand if you make somebody experience billions of emotions at the same time they go crazy sure i buy that but if it's the idea gets to like feel understand why he did what he did was wrong then what the fuck Galvatorx was just a sociopath. That's why he's the way he is. I mean, is that bad? If he was did a you, sociopath, did... he wouldn't have cared that his actions hurt other people. Okay. Well, I mean, ultimately, Galvatorx is defeated. No matter how we personally feel about how that defeat occurs, it does occur. And ultimate Booney. <laughs> Zach, stop changing the steps. Um, yeah, I guess the only thing that I want to say on this ultimate boot is I I very much understand Aragon definitely needed to win through a trick. A big final sword fight with Galvatorx didn't really make sense. Um, he's not that kind of villain. But we're tall. We spend so much time talking about how what made Galvatorx truly strong was his ability to break minds. So having Aragon's insight to himself and an insight into some understanding in relation to like Galbatorix doesn't feel guilt, therefore he, right, when he gets it, when something to, like, do with that as the key to getting past Galbatorix's defenses and breaking his defenses, thus letting Aragon beat him in a mental battle and win. I mean, is it, is it, is it, if if you realize he doesn't feel guilt and make him feel guilt, isn't that like a not irony, but like, isn't that his just desserts? I don't know. He's watching scream a little bit and then blow himself up like a nuke. And blow up he did. <laughs> uh, and on that explosive note, we come to the end of our initiation with just the road of trials and the temptress missing. Um, Quite used to the temptress being something that we wouldn't have, especially because in a in a story more like this, the temptation would often be to run away with the girl, dragon or otherwise. And both of the girls in this story are very committed to seeing this fight through to the end. Uh, at about seventy five percent of the way through the novel, we come to our return. I think what's it's actually that? like 83, but... Yeah. yeah, what's that supposed to mean? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? So Who's long. to say? For the refusal of the return, uh, Aragon spends... You know, he knows what he needs to do. Uh, he's, there's a prophecy that told him he's going to have to leave Alagazia um, uh, and to accomplish what he wants and, and to what's needed. 
but he doesn't want to do it. He spends a lot of time uh, looking around for his new base of uh, the Dragon Rider School, uh, but ultimately uh, doesn't choose uh, anything because he couldn't, because it would be a geopolitical mess. Um, and he didn't find something that was quite magical enough. So uh, we have his refusal to turn where he spends a good chunk of like his own in-world in life or months at least, right? And not years, months. E either way, a long time. It's not even, it's not like just a day thinking about where to, to set up shop. Uh, for the magical flight, we go back to the uh, side of the ultimate boon where they're fleeing the castle as it just like falls into pieces around them. So uh, pretty good magical flight. Uh, just beat the baddie, got to exit his uh, lair before it uh, comes all crumbling down. Very, very classic. For the rescue from without, um, there he holds a lot of power now, Aragon does, as the defeater of Galbatorix, as the, you know, one of two remaining dragon riders. Um, he's sort of uh, uh, a high, like as far as the celebrities go in this sort of medieval uh, version of the world, he's definitely up there, um, if not numero uno. So everybody sort of wants him on his side, both either as a leader or as an ally or as a mediator. And yet he says, no, nah, I can't hang out. I got to go. And there could have been quite a bit of resistance to that, right? Uh, but I think two things help him in this regard. Um, one is that people just had a dragon rider who was in control of them for a very long time. And so I think that helps kind of uh, allow the leaders to not push him too hard to stay. It's sort of like the George Washington thing. Um, but the Americans were dumb and, and wanted that. Whereas and these guys don't seem like they want it very much. Um, and the other thing is that realizing that maybe nobody could actually stop him, um, but they could certainly have, have tried if they wanted to. For the crossing of the return threshold, I have the adding the new races as dragon riders before it was only open to humans and elves. And so he's opened it up to the other races to be able to bond with dragons. Now we don't get to see this firsthand, um, but I think it's a very cool step in kind of changing the magics and, um, and allowing more of an equality mindset, uh, especially because it's going to pre prevent uh, that kind of geopolitical problems that we talk about, where if, if, each, if each race is able to have their own um, dragon riders, maybe it'll prevent sort of discrimination. For the master of the two worlds, we have his uh, dragon rider magic wielding self, and we have his sort of understanding and leading people self. He's going off to become the leader of a new uh, group of of uh, dragon riders of and so i think it's a it's a pretty good dichotomy he himself has gotten a lot of power but if he wasn't willing to share that power and lead and teach then it might not uh, surmount to much and then for our freedom to live it is that founding uh of the new dragon school right he he has uh, a, a task right he's got something that he's been fated to do and something that he's looking forward to doing um but it's something that he wants to do he's it's not a begrudging uh, sort of task for him. Starting off with the refusal of the turn, I actually like this a lot. Like you said, the prophecy's been there. Aragorn knows that he's going to leave, um, and he still just keeps looking, keeps looking, delays his leaving as long as possible, but we know it needs to happen. Just one, one thing, I always thought that he went, like, across the ocean, um, not traveling over the mountains. to the east, he gets on Where, a boat. Yeah, yeah, but look at... It's over the mountains, right? Like on the east of the empire, right? 
Look I, look at the map of Alagazia. Pull it up. Everybody okay. pull it up, including because, you listeners. You do it too. I no joke. I'm just trying to remember that from senior year of high school. So there, there's a date. There's dating myself. All right. You see where Yeah, it just goes off into but we know there was water, right? Because they catch a boat into there's a river you see oh, between the... Yeah, there's a river coming off of the edge of the Dwarvish Mountains. And does that go not out to sea, but just into more land? That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like I can't yeah, see there's a, no ocean. It a just border goes... of the land there. These people not just what the fuck don't they just leave? Just like yeah, walk a little saw, bit over always... that way. It always seemed like the amount of like this could be maybe two countries tops. It's like the size of Oregon. I can yeah, see. There, there, there are a lot of fantasy worlds where I look at the map and go, these this is smaller than I think the people. It's like, yeah, we've got this is a country with 1.5 great cities. And it's like, I think this is a city state. Well, um, have you guys ever seen the fantasy map of Ohio? Yes, you've shown it to me before. Okay, it's pretty good. But it makes you think of like how many fantasy uh, realms would fit inside of uh, inside of a state like Ohio. Well, yeah. it's Ohio, so nothing's ever happened there. But... Oh! Got him! Got him! He's, he said getting himself in the process. <laughs> All right, then... Yeah, like I said, I don't have an issue with besides that, but I just thought that it was weird when I was really like reading the book, like thinking about it, like why why is he going east? What is there? Oh, we just don't know because they didn't. No one has ever the dwarves hate exploring. Yeah, that's Um, for for the magical flight. Totally good, fleeing the castle as it's blowing up. Totally perfect, fine. Cool, Um, no problems with that. Great. Or the rescue from without, though, does does this really rescue him? Um, I I mean, like I like all the meetings and everyone agreeing, like, oh yeah, this is the best idea. We can't have you here. Um, but is it really a rescue? Who's who's stopping him? Is it a rescue from himself becoming uh, like Galatoire? yeah, becoming the emperor? Yeah, I guess that's what I was hinting at, but maybe I should have said it outright. Yeah, like uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I think it's fine, like saving himself, letting him leave, taking away his responsibility to them. I guess in his mind, I don't think Aragon would ever become like the Emperor because he he does have empathy. But um, I guess I do am in favor of immortal rulers. Okay. Life would be better if they were in control. Okay, you say that like that's not a true statement. Jack, what yeah, are you how thinking? Much we could get done if our leaders weren't uh, required to feel the ravages of time. Um, I think that there are two rescues from without. One, yes, the leaders potentially long-term saving him from doing the wrong thing when they could have fought him. It's a bit of a weird rescue. But also, guys, at the final battle, Arya and Murtaugh are there with him. And Murtaugh gives him the true name, and that is instrumental in actually winning the fight. 
Oh, so you're saying that should just be his rescue? And Arya kills the other big bad guy. Bad person. Oh, and then um, all of the Eldenari give him the power to control yeah, the Yeah, but they were the, they were the higher power. Yeah, and they were there from the beginning. Murdoch could be the rescue, I guess. Mur- Murtaugh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I like it being Murdoch. It's not his name. Anyway, continue onwards. Um, for the master of, oh no, crossing the return threshold. Yeah, like totally. This is insane how uh, crossing return threshold this is. Sharing the knowledge of, or the power of the dragon riders with entire new races. That, I mean, that fits pretty well. Um, but the Master of Two Worlds, I don't like. So I I think that we could say Aragon has mastered being a dragon rider. That that I think is is fair. Um, you know, he defeated Galatorix, he defeated the evil king, he's definitely the most powerful person in the world now. However, I don't think we can say he's mastered leadership, especially leadership and teaching of other dragon riders. We don't see any hint of him doing that. Who does he teach throughout this whole book or series even? So we don't see, I guess, maybe teach. We get an assumption of teaching, right? Because he's going to found a school and he's going to have an area of leadership. You know, I I guess I'm taking his... He led the Varden to victory. He no. did lead the Vard into victory over the... He taught them how to to defeat the, the Emperor. No. He's technically in charge of the Varden when they accomplish their goal. I yes. don't care. He's not... He, he was not there. He is a leader there. of men. He did not come up with a battle plan. He did not lead them. He was on his own separate mission the whole time. No. Uh, dragon... Rider and totally normal human man who definitely, definitely not health elf boy. Don't definitely won't marry an elf, the elf queen long term and uh, definitely just completely disassociate with humanity over time. I see you that it's be still, so lucky. I see that it's still blue and this should definitely be red now. So I'm just gonna make it red for you. No, no, he no, already decided. You don't get to change my voice. You have no power. I'll make the I'll make the last one blue. The freedom to live. <laughs> this is not how this works, Alex. I I don't know. This is my podcast. Take you back have ni- You only have ninety percent of the power here. <laughs> I I don't have a problem with the freedom to live. Founding the new dragon school. I just really don't think Aragon has demonstrated his mastery of leadership or teaching yet but jack Uh, changed my mind well that's that is the opposite of this podcast premise sir (laughs) um so i agree with you uh in reality right We, we have not focused on aragon as an actual leader he has been a weapon and a hero and We've watched him be the second in command to a lot of people in charge, um, even with his own personal retreat of elves. They kind of didn't really listen to him that much. Um, there's probably a lot of leadership in his future, but let's talk about it because we, we have gotten to the end of a four-book series, 
So do we think that Aragon really, across all this time that we've seen him, has, has, only, has only figured out how to be a better dragon rider? I mean, he's definitely developed as a person. How much do we want to attribute to... How much do we want to... <laughs> I mean, this, this is not being genuine. Has he? Because... Yeah, he's made of, mistakes of, and learned from them. Outside of leadership and the implied eventual good leadership, I'm now thinking about it, and I'm not certain Aragon has done anything other than dragon ride. You know, he's he's developed as a person. I don't know how much of that is due to puberty and how much of that is due to the war he fought, but... Can you give me some examples? Uh, yeah, he does that whole, you know, uh, asking the elf girl out and then realizing that he shouldn't have done that. The way he did it was a bad way to do it. And then she has to bring along like escorts for a while and he learns from that. Uh, he learns to, uh, to, I guess, I don't know how to phrase it, but his interactions with his not brother Rory, and his, his, well, his, his hammer wielding not brother, not his other not brother. Roran. Who's his actual brother? Roran. Yeah, Roran. his cousin. Yeah. His brother from another adjacent mother. I I think that he does develop as a person to all those things Zach said, but then also the Aragon we met in Aragon would kill Gabatorix or try to kill Gabatorix outright because he's a he's angry. Um He's less disciplined, less empathetic. And then the Aragon we see at the end of Inheritance obviously doesn't try to kill Gavatorix outright. In the end, he tries to get him to empathize. And um, that would not occur without some growth and development throughout the books. I, yeah, so I guess if we, if we put Aragon's growth's culmination in letting Murtaugh stab him, run him through the stomach, taking the hit that you know wins in the duel but taking that punishment is that part of being a dragon rider or is that part of being uh and i can't believe i'm saying this a man in air quotes i'm not i'm not sure because if that is the case then i think there is an argument for the two worlds that he's mastered is is mature being a dragon rider and being and a mature adult independently of that. Hmm. I, I see it more wrapped up into one because the, the way being he, a dragon rider is such a goddamn broad thing and it is yeah, it is yeah, I'm both sure, a I'm sure with, title and a part of his identity. Well, I'm sure that like when there are a, a 500 dragon riders, there's some diversity amongst the dragon riders too. Like this dragon rider is the historian dragon rider and this dragon rider is the fighting dragon rider. Yeah, and having having been able to understand himself so fully with the discovery of his true name definitely means that he has become self-act, right? Self-actualized as a person. He, he knows who he is and he doesn't directly tell us that all of his name, his true name isn't just uh, Schertigal. That's a part of who he is, but not all the parts. So that would be an argument that he has mastered himself as well as the responsibilities and roles of being a dragon rider. I'll take it. Sure. That is going to close out on our perfect return when I would expect nothing less from a book that is just, again, we've made jokes about it, but it is a long return, which is not terrible for being the end of a series, 
one of my gripes with Harry Potter book seven is that that return is pretty darn short. There's a few scenes that I would have so liked to have seen, but this might go a little bit the other way. There's probably a few scenes from this I could have cut. Uh, and that is gonna bring us to a close on both inheritance and the inheritance cycle. Uh, Aragon did successfully manage to hit a 12 out of 17, making him just by the skin of his teeth, a uh, modern hero. Coming in on our closing thoughts, uh, I just kind of did this. Yeah, but, I was gonna uh, say. I can, I can sum it up once again as dragons kick ass. Um, I definitely struggled with rereading these as an adult. Uh, the writing does mature as we go on. We didn't, we focused on Aragon really heavily. Um, I hated Rurin's storyline throughout this. It seems to go so against so many of the things they're set up. He's so clearly meant to be the third writer and somehow come into his own and it's meant to be this conflict. Doesn't go anywhere. Um, and Rorin just becomes this weird, without that final bit of his story, I don't know why Rorin is in this, these books and why we spend any time with him. Because all he does is just win fights and not die somehow, even though he should definitely die. And he's never actually in danger and it never spends that much time weighing on Aragon or distracting him. I hadn't thought about that. I guess it would make sense for Rorin to be the third writer, but I personally like it wasn't like, obviously that obvious if we didn't think about it yeah i mean I personally like it was, it was I, the I, most I, popular I, it was the most popular theory and i i swear there's something out there where probably he basically confirmed that he changed it when he was doing the revisions post eldest i'll buy it hmm. okay um you know i i actually like this book more than i thought i would coming back to it like I said in my discussion about the Ultimate Dune, I I understand it a little more now. I understand why Paolini did this. Um, I think it's still not maybe the best ending it could be, but I appreciate it being a little different and not just ending in a sword fight um, even though we did have a sword fight, it was, I guess, reasonable to have it. And the the extended return, um, personally, I'm okay with because we spent a good amount of time with Aragon. I want to see where he's going. And I think it closes out his story nicely. Hopefully, when Paulini writes the next book in Allegasia, as I think I just saw a tweet today saying that he was or was finishing up revisions of it. Um, we don't focus on Aragon. We focus on other people because I think Aragon's story wrapped up nicely and I don't want to go back to it anymore. Yeah, I also enjoyed the series. I feel like there were bits and pieces of the story that like I've mentioned before that I really would like to see explored more. Maybe we'll get that in the mystical book five. I wasn't even aware of the short stories, but um, I feel like I sense reading this as a kid, I could pinpoint several elements in the story, the magic system, the dragons, um, the bad guy, right? If you break them down into their story components that I like more in other series, 
And I think that's, there's nothing about Aragon specifically that when I think Aragon that I think, oh, it does something better than other fantasy series that I've now been exposed to. Uh, and so while it might've been like my first exposure to a lot of these, well, not a lot of these concepts, but some of the concepts, um, you know, it's hinting at a slightly deeper magic system. Um, it's, it's, it's dragons that are uh, uh, very involved with the world around them and not just bad guys. Uh, but I just don't think it does the best job at what it sets out to do in any one aspect. And so that's where it's still kind of full short for me. Enjoy it. We'll almost assuredly read the other things that come out. And now we'll go read the short stories that I know about them, but um, still not. Uh, I liked it uh, actually less than um, to, to sleep in a sea of stars. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I've been your host and judge, Jack. This is Alex. And I'm Zach. And join us next week when we'll be headed back to the circle of the world with The Heroes by Drow. Drow uh, by Joe Abercrombie. Yay! Oh, thank you. It's like a All right. Zoom. Look at the Zoom window. It's a kitty. I want to send you a picture of my fat kitty that my cousin has, or his fat kitty. Yeah, it's a fat kitty. Ah, it, ah. It's a it's a heckin' chonker. Hey, you want to see the second chonker? One second. That is a chonky motherfucker. <laughs> That is a cat that wants its loops. Uh, Jonker right there.